Praise the Lord, everyone. Why don't we gather in? Amen. If you're joining us online, welcome. Why don't we stand together in the house, lift up our hands and begin to bless the Lord together. Is He worthy? Are you glad to know who Jesus is today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Praise God. Amen and amen. Just remain standing for a moment and join me in the book of Psalms, Psalm 126. <clears throat> Excuse me. Psalm 126, it is a song of degrees. It says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. And said, they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again, bringing his sheaves with him. And for just a few minutes in our first half, I want to preach and teach, so I'm going to treach on this thought, the dream of deliverance. Amen. The dream of deliverance. Let us pray. Father, let the living word preach the written word and make my tongue the pen of a ready writer this morning. Write your words upon our hearts that we might apply and obey them, Lord. Open our understanding that we might comprehend the Scripture. Cause every hindrance to be rebuked and cast out. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And we pray this all in the majestic, marvelous, and magnificent name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And would you say amen? amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So glad you were here today. And again, you that are joining us online, welcome. So glad to have Pastor and Sister Mathis and Kayla and family that are all here. So thankful that you guys have joined us today. And we're looking forward to what God's going to do and say in our second half through the preached Word of God. Amen. The historical setting for Psalm 123, or excuse me, 126, um, not 123, 126, is after Israel's exile in Babylon. The desire and the dream of those who had been in exile has now become a fulfillment. It's now become a reality. It's no longer a dream. It's no longer a goal. It's no longer a vision. It's now a reality. Therefore, twice the psalmist calls upon them to rejoice in the Lord because he's done great things. Amen. Laughter and singing have replaced sorrow and anguish. Oh, hallelujah. Even Israel's heathen captors have recognized the favor of God upon Israel, declaring that he has done great things for them in delivering his people from captivity. You know when the heathen of the world declare that the church is blessed, uh, that there's favor upon the church. Amen? Amen? Well, this was what was happening here. And as these pilgrims sang 
the song of ascent. They remembered the bondage that God had brought them out of. Joyful shouts of praise emanated from their mouths as they worshiped God. And, and who wouldn't? They've been delivered. They've been set free. They've finally reached the fulfillment of all that they've prayed for. Has anybody ever prayed for something? Has anybody ever had something come to pass that you prayed for? How does it feel when all of a sudden the answer comes? Amen. But sometimes that space in between the message and the miracle, sometimes that space in between where God says, I'm going to do it, and it happens, sometimes in there is where we can fall apart if we're not careful. Psalm 126 looks back to past deliverance. It looks around at a present need for deliverance. And it prophetically looks ahead to future deliverance. In the New Testament, Paul described something similar. In 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 through 10, we read, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. We should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. Watch this. Watch verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a death. That's present, or excuse me, past tense. Delivered, past tense. And doth deliver, it's present tense. And in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. That's future. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Paul and his companions felt crushed and overwhelmed beyond their ability to persevere. And sometimes we're at the same place wondering, how much more can I take? How much longer do I have to go through this? Can I tell you and remind you that the God who led you to this trial is the same God that'll be with you through it and lead you out of it? Mm -hmm. They thought they would never survive the trial and the persecution that they were dealing with. And as a matter of fact, it was so intense that Paul and his companions actually expected to die. But when Paul and his companions shifted their trust from their strength to God's, Something happened. Mm -hmm. Let me say it this way. If God can do it once, he can just as easily do it twice. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he never changes. Malachi 3.6, I the Lord change not. He never changes. He never fails. He cannot lie. Titus 1, 2, he cannot lie. In fact, it's impossible for him to lie. Numbers 23 and Hebrews 6 tell us this. He cannot lie. Everyone under the sound of my voice today, 
can look back to a time when God has delivered you. You can look back to a time where he kept you through something. Protect, excuse me, protected you or provided for you. So you're, if you're in a present situation, I want you just to look back for a minute and remember that if he did it before, he can just as easily do it again. In fact, God is so faithful. The Bible tells us he is so faithful that even if we are unfaithful to him, he will remain faithful because in 2 Timothy 2.13 it says, he cannot deny himself. That means he cannot be unfaithful. Even if we're unfaithful. Wait a minute. you got to get this. If God has set a word in motion over your life and you move this direction and the word is this direction, it doesn't mean that the word is invalid. It just means that once you get back in alignment with the word, you'll realize the fulfillment. Have you ever thought that maybe what you're going through is because God is trying to get you back in alignment with what he's already spoken over your life? Oh, I wish I had all day to preach this. Lord Jesus, have mercy. Mm. Don't, no, don't nobody say take your time, but hurry up to me. I had Donnie put a clock up back there and I wish I wouldn't have. No, I'm just teasing. Hallelujah. Hear the word of the Lord today. God has delivered us. God is delivering us. And God will still yet deliver us. Yea, though I walk through, I'm not staying. (laughs) Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You see, the enemy wants you to believe you're alone in what you're facing. But scripture says he's with you, even in the valley of the shadow of death. We read Psalm 23, we read these passages, but sometimes we don't slow down enough to realize what they're saying. God has never failed you, never forsaken you, never walked away from you, and never will. So somebody needs to tell the devil what Micah 7, 8 says. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, when I fall. I didn't give them this verse back there, but I promise you it says when. It doesn't say if. When I fall. In other words, there's going to be times I go through things. Listen, I come against the lie of postmodern Christianity that tells you that all you got to do is be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And if you're not, you're not blessed. Let me tell you what. I've been blessed in some valley times of my life. I've been blessed in some low times of my life. I can look back and see where he brought me from and what he brought me out of and what he brought me through. Mm. I'm not just blessed because I got a bonus at my job. I'm not just blessed because I got a clean bill of health from from the medical office. No, no, I'm blessed because God says I'm blessed, period. 
David said it this way. If I make my bed in hell, he's with me. In the lowest part of where I'm at, I can't get away from God even if I wanted to. Hey. And I don't want to. Verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 126 talks about past deliverance. The psalmist reaches back to the moment when God released them from Babylonian captivity, explaining that just prior to that moment, whether it was a, you know, today at high noon they are released, whatever, whatever it was, what, however it happened, whether it was a king's decree or what it was, prior to that moment they were still hoping for it. If you're sick in your body right now and you needed God to touch you and you came anyway this morning and all of a sudden right now you felt the healing virtue of the Lord flow through you and the pain left your body, you probably wouldn't wait for me to say praise the Lord. You'd probably go, whoo! Because what you were praying for has now happened. So the psalmist is catching that moment where he says we were as those that dream. He's catching the moment that, that God did it. We were here, there was the pivotal tipping point, and we were hoping and praying, and all of a sudden it happened. Ha! We're delivered. It's happened. And he's wanting them to reach back and remember what it felt like when God delivered them. Sometimes we've just got to look back and remember. Sometimes we've just got to reach back and say, oh, that's, I remember now. I remember those goosebumps. Sometimes we got to say, you know, it was right here where I was on my knees saying, oh God, and all of a sudden something happened. It was at that conference or at that, you know, podcast I was listening to when the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It was that song when all of a sudden I started feeling something in my spirit. That's what the psalmist is saying. Reach back to that moment. Because before that it was just a dream. Now it's a reality. Oh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I got a feeling. Now, there's no Bible for this. Okay? So I'm careful to point that out. There's not a verse that says they danced through the streets of Babylon. But in the MTP commentary, it's going to say they probably, most likely, danced through the streets of Babylon. Because I, I just got a feeling... Pastor Mathis, that when all of a sudden the king said, you're free today. Yeah. And they realized, I'm no longer in captivity. Right. I'm no longer a slave. I get to go back to Israel. I don't think it was like, oh, thanks, king. Appreciate it. <laughs> Kennedy, I don't think it even went, sup. <laughs> now, you know what, Pastor Danny, you know what I think they did? I think when all of a sudden it happened... If it had been Myron there, it had been, glory! I don't care how tired they were. I don't care how long they'd been there. I think some of them shouted out of Babylon. Well, glory. Well, glory. <clears throat> how many here remember what it was like when God delivered you? Anybody here? Delivered from some sort of addiction, drugs, alcohol, whatever. God set you free. 
Amen. Just put those hands back up if you don't mind. Look around. Look around some hands that are up all around you, next to you. Amen. If you're online, wave. Amen. Put a little wave emoji. Amen out there. Come on. God has done some great things. I'm glad to be a bunch, uh, uh, among a bunch of has-beens today, a bunch of used-to-bees today. <laughs> I once was lost, but now I'm found. <laughs> hey. Look, let me ask you this. Has anybody been forgiven of, of sin? And uh, uh, You know what it's like for God to wash that away. And Well, then let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on, how good has he been to you? How, how, how much is he worthy of praise? Amen, just, just pause for a minute and say, thank you, Jesus. If it had not been for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to pause. And, and it says they laughed. They, they laughed, they rejoiced. The mouth was filled with laughter. Somebody just needs to laugh at the devil and say, the devil thought he had me. But he was wrong. Now, that's where you can put a ha in there. <laughs> I mean, ask, ask Elder Kennedy what that's all about. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to let the devil know, ha, I've been set free. Ha, you had me bound, but now I'm walking free. Amen. Amen. I love it. I love when people share their testimonies. I was having coffee with someone recently, and they're sharing me. Uh, when God delivered them in the moment it happened and where they were and I'm just taking it all in and tears are coming down their eyes and, and I'm just feeling the presence of God because they can mark the actual spot where it happened. Yeah. Right. Amen. I believe every Israelite marching out that day was able to say, hey, where were you? Oh, yeah. you, you were over by the fountain? Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I was over there by the well and let me tell you, when that king's decree came forth, wow, man. You know what some of you need to do? You need to remember the spot. It may not be this church. Amen. It might be a different church, but you need to remember the, the vicinity where it was. Sister Dana, I think it was about right in here somewhere where God did something for you a couple years ago. Amen. Some of you have a spot in this church where God did something. Amen. There's something about remembering where he brought you from. Letting the devil know I ain't going back either. Amen. The dream of deliverance, praise God, praise God. But then we come to verse four, and a need of present deliverance. Verse four says, turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Now, I don't mean to sound laborious or you know, educational and you know, like I've got a doctorate degree or something, but to understand this, you gotta dig a little bit into the, the scripture defined. So I won't bore you with all the, the long drawn out details except to say here that the captivity referred to in verse 4 is not that they've gone back into captivity again. He's saying now that we've been delivered, we've got a new problem. Uh, the parched land isn't producing. You've set us free, but uh, we need some rain. And so it's not that they've gone back into sin again or back into captivity again and need to be re-delivered, it's that, okay, God, you brought us out. We've, we're out of Babylon. We're back in Israel now, but hello, um, the ground's dry. We need some rain. 
We're thankful for past deliverance, but we're going to starve and die if we don't have some crops. And so the streams in the south are a reference to the arid, dry, waterless region of south, uh, south of Judah. And Israel's crops will fail if the autumn rains do not replenish the brooks. So the psalmist and the pilgrims, when they come to verse 4 of this song of ascent, uh, and, and when it first happened, it was to say, God, we need some rain. Lord, we, we thank you for past miracles, and we praise you for that, and, and, and we're never going to forget that. But, but there's a present need that we have right now, and I know you did it here, and so I'm believing you're going to do it here. That's what's happening here. They're, they're prayerfully seeking a present miracle. They need the much-needed rain to nourish the land to bring forth a harvest. It's kind of like the one singer said. He was recording an album, and I don't remember his name, but I think it was William McDowell. It just came to me, but he's, he's doing this live album, and all of a sudden, he just looks to the music and tells him just to start following him, and he goes, rain. Only matters to those who have seed in the ground. And he just starts ministering on, on the tape. And it only plays it a few little bit on the, on the you know, tape. That dated me. <laughs> on, the, on the iTunes. You know. <laughs> on the 8-track, you know. <laughs> but, but I can imagine what it might have been like at that concert as he began to minister in the Holy Ghost. And let me tell you, sometimes when you pray for rain... If you've got seed in the ground, you want the rain. The farmer can plant the seed. He can, he can plow the field. He can, he can cultivate the soil, but he can't make it rain. Now, I know farmers can put, you know, irrigation up, but, but trust me, this is long before, you know, the, the, the irrigation things that we have today, you know, you see across Nebraska, you know, where they can make it rain. No, no, this was long before that. They needed God to intervene. See, that right there is the problem. We've got too many man-made ways. We don't need God. We don't need to pray for rain because we got a machine we can just turn on. Click, boom, there's the rain. They didn't have that. They needed God to move right yes. now. That's right. God, we're doing what we could do. We plowed the field. We removed the rocks. We planted the precious seed. But if you don't make it rain, we're going to die. Yeah. So turn again our captivity as the streams in the south. In other words, let some good autumn rains come. Yes. And, and see, if you understand rain... A hard rain is not what they needed because all that does is washes the soil away. They needed a consistent soft rain that would just come down and nourish the soil. I remember one time, and some of you have read it about it in the Circle Maker, um, but, but the story about 200 years before Jesus uh, of this Jewish uh, man who it, they needed rain. So he goes out in the field, and he makes a little circle, and he says, God, we need it to rain. And all of a sudden, it started coming down hard. He goes, he stopped. He said, no, 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 God. That's going to wash the soil away. We need a good soft rain. And, and that's what happened. And that's what Israel's praying for here, 
a nice, good, consistent, soft rain that'll nourish the soil, fill up the pools. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Some of us complain about the rain. Maybe it's because we don't have seed in the ground. Maybe if you had seed in the ground, uh-huh, you'd want the rain. And, and, and while we're on this need of present deliverance, let me remind you about Paul from 1 Corinthians. Don't lean on your strength. Don't go by a rain-making machine. Trust God. He has delivered you, is delivering you, and will deliver you again. And let me also say this. God did not deliver the pilgrims from Babylon just to bring them to Israel and let them die. Hey, good luck. See ya. It's not what he was doing. And neither, neither has he brought you out of your thing only to forsake you now. God is worthy of your trust because he's never lost a battle, never failed, never lied, and never will. So let God fight your battles because he don't lose. Amen. 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 But then the psalm shifts and it moves into prophetic deliverance. In the last two verses, the psalmist says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Shall. That's a pretty absolute word. Yeah, shall. It's going to happen. Amen. But notice the condition. They that sow in tears. A sense of humility, a sense of of treasuring the seed right a sense of thankfulness it's not tears of sorrow it's tears of joy thank you for delivering me thank you for everything you've ever done and I'm sowing this seed today Lord in faith that you're going to do it again he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless there it is again shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him. Again, humility, thankfulness, gratitude, all wrapped in. And the psalmist and the pilgrims want God to restore the land. You've brought us back. It's had 70 years of rest. See, they went into this captivity because they had failed to obey God. Every seven years, just like every seven days, every seven years, the land was supposed to get rest. But for 70 times, so 490 years, they had disobeyed God. And God said, I'm going to give the land its rest. You're going into captivity for 70 years. Ain't nothing growing here except what just grows naturally. So when they come back, boy, this will preach. When you come back from your deliverance, don't just think it's going to be, woohoo! there's going to be some work to do. You're going to have to get a a rototiller out and, and do some cleaning. Oh, come on now. That's what the sowing in tears was. God, I don't want to go back to where I was. Lord, I don't ever want to go back to that kind of captivity again. I'm sowing in tears knowing I'm going to reap in joy. and I don't want to make the same mistake again, Lord. And so, God, I'm here working in the field. Yeah. Amen. But, but it points to something as well. If I'll do my part, God, let me say it this way. If you'll do what you can do, God will do what he can do. 
See, the problem is this. We try to do what God can do. And so if you're trying to do that, you may retire as the general manager of the universe. God's got it all figured out. He was there before time. He'll be there after time. Just let him be God. You ever heard this phrase, let go and let God? Just, just do what you're called to do. God wants you to cultivate the soil. Hosea, break up the fallow ground. God wants you to break up some ground. God wants you to sow some precious seed with tears and weeping, believing, amen, that you'll reap in joy. You know, let me say it this way. If you'll do what the Word says, you'll get what the Word promises. happens every time because God cannot lie cannot fail cannot deny himself hmm. so the practical purpose of this for their future was of course soil and harvest and crops but there's a prophetical purpose too to the New Testament church I feel the Holy Ghost right now Galatians 6 verse 9 and let us not be weary in well-doing. What's well-doing? It's doing what you know to do. The Bible says if you don't do what you know to do right, that's sin. Okay, so if, we, if the reverse of that then is true, if I know to do what's right and I do it, then that's the opposite of sin, which is good, so I'm gonna keep doing. See, this is our idea of waiting on the Lord. Where's he at? We're in the line at Starbucks, and we're waiting because the barista is like, what is she doing? What my coffee? Right? The guy in front of you is ordering, oh, can I have three of those and two of those? It's like, dude, come on, please. You know, quit ordering for the office. You know? Right? Go inside if you got that big of an order, right? Do you ever feel like that on, on, the, on that side? Of, don't answer that question. Right? She's a barista at Starbucks. So. so if you need any coffee advice, talk to Kayla. Amen. She knows all about it. But we're like that with God. Like we treat him like a drive-thru. Hello, can I have a, uh, um, I'll do a double miracle, please. Can you add a little bit of uh, blessing with that? And how about supersize it? Yeah, thanks. All right. God in a fast food joint, y'all. I don't know about you. Now, I, you know, I eat fast food when I have to, but I much prefer home-cooked meals, especially this time of year. And Kennedy, I'm not going to talk about all the seafood I had when I was in Maine. For <laughs> Sorry, brother. I had, I had, it's better than your Vikings. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Touch me. <laughs> I love home cooking. There's just something about it, you know? Somebody hand me a bag of cookies today. I'm like, Lord Jesus. I said, Can I, are these for me? She said, yeah, and for your household. I'm like, oh, man. So I was hoping they were for me. 
something about home cooking. That's how we need to treat God. Let it simmer in the crock pot. Mm, come on. Quit, quit trying to treat him like a cheap hamburger on a microwave you know, somewhere. Come on. Lord Jesus. My, my, my. All this talk's making me hungry. <laughs> you see, be not weary in well-doing. Just keep. See, we think waiting on God is like that. Here's what waiting on God is. May I take your order? How can I serve you today? It's, it's waiting like a waitress or a waiter. In other words, just keep doing what you know to do right. Anybody can praise God when everything's great. And, and that, it's not that that's bad. That's good. If, if God's done great things for you, shout the aisles and we'll rejoice within the rejoice. But for those of us that are weeping right now, weep with us too because we're waiting on God. And those of us that are waiting on God for a future deliverance, just put the towel over your arm and keep serving. Keep doing what you know to do. Keep reading your Bible. Keep praying. Keep coming to church. Keep giving your tithe and offering. Just keep doing well, doing for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've got a due season coming up. And here's the problem. If you quit before your due season, you'll find yourself at the train station when your ship comes in. 2 Thessalonians 3.13 says, Be not weary in well-doing. 1 Corinthians 15.58 teaches us that it's not time to quit, but it's a time to be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let me say it this way. Has anybody done something, uh, whether it's serving in a ministry at the church or serving your family, and, and you feel you've been in a thankless... Don't, don't raise your hand. I'm not asking for that. But you, you've been in a moment where you've not been thanked. Right? And you sometimes wonder, is it worth it? Right? Sister Mathis, sometimes being a pastor or a pastor's wife, it feels that way sometimes. You know, am I doing any good? Praying for these people, loving them, helping them, and, you know. By the way, it's okay to thank your pastor. I'm just going to throw that out there for free. Okay? We're human too. I do not have a big red S underneath my shirt here, you know. I'm not Superman. You know. Okay? Now, how many of you have been thanked for something you've done and it just it gives you that warm feeling of, wow, I'm appreciated, right? Okay, let me say it this way. When you get to that due season moment, everything you've done back here that you thought was thankless and, and nobody's taking notes and nobody's noticing, God has noticed and when your due season comes, God has a way of multiplying. God has a way of saying, this is what you wanted. I'm going to do that plus this times that and a little extra of this too. Because God sees. God knows. And so let him bless you. You shall reap if you faint not.
if you don't give up. In other words, keep hoping. Keep praying. Keep believing. This morning, I'm handing out the Christmas cards. I'll get yours too if you haven't got yours yet from the, from the church pastoral team. I even gave one to Minister Kennedy, Elder Kennedy. And I, this is what I said to him. I said, I'm giving this to you because one day you'll see it. I handed him his local license application today and read it to him. And I said, one day you'll read it. In other words, I'm going to keep hoping for the miracle. I'm going to keep praying and believing for the miracle. And I've already done some shouting before it, so you can bet your last dollar when it happens, I'm just going to do some more shouting. And that's what not being weary and well-doing is all about. Amen? The psalmist knew if Israel would return to planting and watering and remain humble for God, they would doubtless bring an abundant harvest. And I prophesy the same to you in the Holy Ghost today. If you'll keep being faithful, keep looking up, keep sowing in tears, keep working in spite of what's happening, despite whether or not you've had the miracle yet, you will reap in joy because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Does anyone here today have a dream of deliverance? Is it a financial, emotional, spiritual, relational thing that you're praying for? Is there a loved one you want God to save or deliver or heal? Is there a medical matter that you dream of God performing a miracle and making whole once again? Is there a prodigal son or daughter that you're praying for? I've come to tell you this morning that God has saved and has healed and has delivered and still is saving and healing and delivering. And if you'll continue to sow in tears, you will reap in joy because he is still going to heal, save, and deliver. Hallelujah. Somebody here this morning and online, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. You're watching this and the cry within you of anxiety or fear or depression is there causing you to sometimes feel physically sick. You know what's bothering you, but you just don't know how to make it stop. And So God has sent a preacher to this pulpit today with a word from the Lord for you. Keep sowing in tears for you shall reap in joy. Keep looking for joy and healing and victory. Keep declaring it and over your life. Keep prophesying it over your life. Why? Because the power of life and death is in the tongue and I choose to speak life. I choose to prophesy life. I choose to believe life. It is settled. I declare that over this church today. Stand with me in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God has settled some things this morning. And as we get ready to move into our second half, I want you to come back in about 10 minutes ready for what God's going to do. The minute Pastor Trevor opens the service and we receive the offering and do all that. I'm, at that moment, I want you to come ready. The minute the first note is hit and the first song is sung, get down to this altar and start worshiping and praying and believing and let God do a work. 
I prophesy that there will be a demonstration of the spirit and power of God and that God will confirm his word with signs following. So if you've come with a need, you're leaving with an answer today. Clap your hands and bless the Lord. Glory! Praise God. Let's take a 10-minute break. Be back here at 1120. God bless you in Jesus' name.